Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you all for coming today. It's um, always nice to see so many people in the Zendo, so many people taking time out of their lives to come and sit here in stillness and um, to practice and to be together and do um, what I at least consider a wonderful thing. Um, so yeah, so it's it, it's it's nice to see so many people here again because I understand that it's you know this is very far away and you have to drive out of the city and then up this snowy road which isn't too bad now but um, you know brave the elements to come out here and that's something that is extra clear to me now since uh, Joshin and I moved here um, still working full time in state college and. Um, you know, having to do this drive multiple times a day, which of course is a delight, but it does present challenges to our schedule and everything. Um, one of the difficulties that we've had recently with the snow is the fact that this Julian, Julian Woods Lane is a hill. And it, so it snows and the community kind of comes together to plow it. So it's not a county road maintenance kind of thing. Um, and there was a day that we arrived home after one of the first major snows and we couldn't get to our house. We couldn't drive up the hill. Um, and there's tires spinning. There's smoke and burning smells coming out of the rubber. You know, we tried and we couldn't make it. Um, so we spent several weeks then, every time it snowed, parking down at the base of the road. And it's a little more than a half of a mile to get up here. Half a mile uphill on the ice, usually not wearing winter boots. Um, it doesn't matter if you have groceries or... You bought a 40-pound bag of dog food, it, it gets carried up the hill. Um, and so we recently decided to get a new car, something with all-wheel drive so that we don't have to carry 40-pound bags of dog food a half a mile up the hill when we are done with work and we just want to get home. Um, so we got a car this week, and it was really exciting. Uh, we've been driving this old death trap of a car for, for a while. And now it's this new car. It's like a NASA spaceship control panel. It's awesome. <laughs> and so it, it was very exciting. Um, after all of these years and all this anticipation of when we're going to get a new car to finally have um, this really nice new car. But one thing I noticed about that was Friday, uh, Joshin comes and picks me up from work. Of course, I'm still excited about the car and everything. But realistically, picks me up from work. I get in the car, load my stuff in there, we talk about our day, we drive home, up the hill without having to walk, um, park at our house and go have dinner, and it's just a normal Friday. Um, so all of this excitement, it's really from Tuesday to Friday, that's three days. But already within that short, short amount of time, the excitement of getting the new car had really dramatically subsided for me. Um, probably not as much for, for Joshin. I know he's usually <laughs> at, operates at a little bit higher level of excitement than I do. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, and, 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 I, and I was thinking about boredom. I was thinking about giving this talk today. We're talking about the five hindrances, uh, desire, aversion, boredom, restlessness, and doubt, if I got it correct. And so today I'm talking about boredom. I thought in light of that, it was interesting how things so easily, you know, these really exciting things can really quickly fade into the background. We adjust to just about anything that happens to us. Um, and I'm a biologist, 
so you'll have to bear with me. I won't go into details, but all animals do this. Um, this is called habituation or neural adaptation. They're a little different, but I'll, for the sake of this, I'll use the terms interchangeably to avoid going off on a long discussion about animal behavior. But we do this all the time. Um, and you can see then, you know, even we're probably even doing it right now. You can notice that you're probably not feeling the, the tension or the warmth or the feeling of all of this fabric that's on you right now. Although maybe now that I said that, you are. Um, or, you know, we, I, we have a puppy and we'll buy her these toys and she's super excited. She loves the toys. And then a couple days later, she's chewing on our rug because these toys that were so exciting to her are now boring and the rug seems like something she wants to chew on instead. Um, and this process is necessary. It's natural. We obviously couldn't have all of this input coming in us all the time to, to function. We have to focus on the things that are important. Um, but one thing that I read recently that I found really interesting is uh, a, so they were doing some research on meditators and found that people who had meditated for a very long time, lots of meditation experience, they were measuring their, their brain waves and there was this ticking clock in the room. And non-meditators kind of tuned the clock out. But people who had a strong practice, people who were you know, sitting there mindfully and really absorbing their experience fully, kept hearing the clock ticking in the room. And, and they, didn't, they didn't start to ignore it as much when they were sitting there trying to let everything in and everything um, be open to all of their experiences. And I think that that's, I think that that's really interesting. Um, and as far as practice goes, I know that I tend to be a really idealistic person, and I think a lot of people coming into this are, and I still am, it's not that, I'm, it's not that that's changed, um, but you know, there's this idea of, of this blissful state of enlightenment or this, you know, this pinnacle of, of the Zen experience where you're you know, walking around in the world in and, and, and absolute overwhelming bliss, which is, a, you know, which is obviously a part of our experience. I'm not saying that that's not important or that that doesn't happen. Um, I know that the Buddha... I, I think after his enlightenment, there were 40-something days where he just wandered the woods in total bliss um, before he decided to finally come back into the world and, and, and teach. Um, but the, the thing about boredom, then, I guess, is that what, where we really create boredom, then, is where we have these ideas of you know, these, these exciting ideas. Um, and we can do that about anything, about the car, about our practice, about just about anything. We can create very exciting ideas um, and, and set up a duality between that and the fact of the matter is that since it's the way we naturally work, a lot of things do fade into the background. And so our lives can seem kind of boring sometimes when we're doing dishes or... You know, I think there's a, there's a real joy that can, be, that can be found in that. And I think that practice certainly over time enables us to, to see more and more of that. Um, but it is a little different than, at least for me, my initial ideas of what, and not, not that I've reached any certain um, you know, state or, or anything, but there's, there's a difference between that sort of excitement and then the subtle... Joy, which I believe is what we're talking about when we're um, 
talking about those experiences, not, not these peak experiences. And the fact of the matter is this might not even be necessarily desirable. So one of the things, uh, one of the kind of Buddhist teachings that many of us who have studied Zen probably have heard about, because it's, it's a relatively common teaching, is this idea of these six realms and us transmigrating through the six realms. Um, and I think some people see that as a reincarnation thing. I don't really, but um, you know, we all have different beliefs and that's okay. Um, but for me, my interpretation of that is that you, know, you have these different realms. There's the human realm, the animal realm, there's a God realm, there's a hell realm, and we've all experienced these realms ourselves. Uh, we've experienced this hell when we're maybe in some sort of depression or really low point in our lives. There's a realm of uh, hungry ghosts. There's this image of these hungry ghosts who have these gigantic stomachs and they're always hungry, but they have this tiny, tiny, thin neck. So no matter how much they try, they can never, they can never, never f- fulfill that hunger. You know, so maybe someone experiencing addiction. Um, or to a lesser extent, someone not experiencing addiction is used to that sort of insatiable, um, that insatiable hunger for something, and that's and that's one of these realms. And so one of those realms is is the God realm, and that's where we're talking about this bliss. And actually, when you read about it, that's not seen as a really desirable state to be in. Anyway, um, we have. The, someone experiencing the God realm feels that they have everything that they, that they want. It's, you can imagine kind of in, in our human experience, a celebrity or, or a very rich person who, although I guess they tend to be very unhappy, I think sometimes we see them as having everything they want, uh, which, which really doesn't lead to that desire to practice and to awaken. When you, when, you, when you have everything you want, you don't have suffering, which is really the key to the, the human aspect. Um, so he, we, we see the suffering then as almost as something beneficial because we can use that suffering to drive us to automatically, you know, kind of feel as if we want to have that awakening. So again, in, as opposed to that, you have your boredom, which is your low level state, which I think that, I know when I have boredom often, especially while sitting, I notice that there's also a, a kind of an aspect of aversion to it, an aspect of, I don't, I don't want to be bored like this, there must be something else that I'm missing out on. Um, but in fact, that's not the case. I, I think that there's, you know, there, there's, what we're talking about is a state that includes that boredom, is a much more generous and open, open state, rather than the bliss, which, in my experience at least, has been... A conditioned state that you have this blissful experience and then later you don't and it can lead to a lot of trying to strive for having that experience again rather than accepting the experience that you're in right now um, and that I was just yesterday I printed off a bunch of copies of our handbook we've just started we'll be uh, having handbooks available for people which kind of explains Oan's organization and what we do and our practice a little bit with a couple of readings from uh, our Coven Chino Roshi, who's our lineage holder who brought this particular branch of Zen to America from Japan. Um, and on our last page, and I, I didn't pick this, it was, it was in the old version of the handbook before I did it. So someone else 
decided that this, it's one of the only quotes that gets its whole own page. There's a quote by the Buddha that says, the way is not in the sky, the way is in the heart. And I think that that really speaks a lot to what we do here, because here at Oman, it's, it's about practice. It's about, it's, it's, it's about actually experiencing this way and, 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 and sitting together and manifesting that together um, rather than dreaming about something that we're not. Which, of course, is okay, too, because it does happen. And that's a part of the whole picture. Um, but I think our practice is something that can include that. It can, it can include the boredom. It can include everything. So I guess then what's the solution to this boredom is, is always kind of the tendency to, you know, here's something that's bothering me. What's the solution? Uh, not that that's a skillful way of thinking of things, but that's certainly the way I think of it. And so I found one little story. Um, and this one has, one of the main characters in the story is Joshu, who we, if anyone has studied Zen, so this is a common name who comes up. Uh, Joshu was a, a Chinese Chan master in the 7th century uh, of in, uh, practicing in China. And he's really well known for the koan in the gateless gate, which is mu, so it, which means nothing. And there are other layers of meaning to that in Japanese, but the koan basically says, if someone asks Joshu, does a dog have Buddha nature? And he just says mu, it's nothing. Um, and of course, there are many, many books written about that, so we could go off about what that means for a long time, but that's not what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. so, so that's Joshu. So this is a different occasion, kind of, of Joshua. And this is a very short story. I could have just memorized it, but I'm going to read it to you instead. Joshua saw one monk and asked, Have I seen you before? The man said, No, sir, there is no possibility. I have come for the first time. I am a stranger. You could not have seen me before. Joshua said, Okay, then have a cup of tea. Then he asked another monk, Have I seen you before? The monk said, Yes, sir, you must have seen me. I have always been here. I am not a stranger. The monk must have been a disciple of Joshu's. And Joshu said, okay, then have a cup of tea. And that's the end of the story. And then usually in these stories, there's some bystander or something that sees that interaction and is immediately, dramatically enlightened. Um, but I don't see that part at the end of that story. So here you have uh, this great Zen master and meeting a stranger. Um, I don't know if this is just a traveler or an honored guest, but he's meeting something new. And his response is, okay, come with me, have a cup of tea. And then you have, right, shortly after that, the same Zen master meeting someone that he sees every single day. Um, so I think this could be like the car or the feeling of your clothes, something that we're very used to, something that we might have a lot of boredom surrounding. Um, and Joshi's response to that is, okay, come and have a cup of tea. Which is, I find really nice, actually. This treatment of these two people, and I guess metaphorically of these two different experiences, the same way. Regardless of how, whether we're having a new experience, regardless of whether we're having a, an old experience, this friend that we've seen every single day of our lives, it's the same treatment. It's, okay, please come with me, have a cup of tea. 
Um, so it's not rejecting what could be potentially seen as bored. It's not wanting more from what could potentially be seen as new. It's just, here I am, accepting everything as it is. Um, or not me, because I definitely... <laughs> but here Joshu is, accepting everything as, as it is. So I think that realistically the, the real moral of the story of that is that we really need to just practice. We really need to just sit on the cushion and have our exciting new friends come along, these blissful states, these insights that we all have while we're sitting, and to tell those thoughts, okay, come and sit with me and have a cup of tea. And then to have our old friends that we might be used to, we might be bored of, we might be averse to, um, to tell them as well, come and sit with me, have a cup of tea. I know that while I was sitting, as, I, as usually happens, I was having some pain and tightness in my back. Um, and my first response to feeling something like that is not, okay, pain, come and have a cup of tea. I, that, this, is, this is great. You're a welcome guest. Um, come and have a cup of tea. And then when I have, you know, I think we all have these moments where we have these realizations about ourself or... Um, I don't think that my response to that either is, okay, have a cup of tea. I think my response is like, oh my God, come in here and then I'm going to lock the door behind you and you're never going to be able to leave. <laughs> um, so there really is just this meeting everything as it is aspect to this practice, which I think is a really beautiful way of, of, of handling things like this. Um, and I think that that, in a way, is still a type of bliss. It's not what we may think of when, with what we're expecting um, but the ability to greet everything like that does, does bring something wonderful along with it. Um, it's, a, it's a more subtle, quiet bliss. It's a more magnanimous bliss that can include and coexist with things like boredom and aversion um, and all of these hindrances. So I think really the most important part and the most important lesson for me that I'm still working on and will still be working on for the rest of my life is just learning to trust the present moment, to trust my practice, to trust the Dharma and the Buddha and the Sangha, the, the three treasures that we talk about here, to just have trust that, I, that, that on some level I do believe that I can meet something as it is and that that's a beautiful way of, of dealing with it and that there is a sort of, a sort of bliss that comes along with that. So, the real problem then, I guess, or not problem, because here I am talking about not drawing these boundaries and then I'm putting something in the enemy category. But regardless, the real thing we're talking about here is, is drawing those boundaries and saying, this experience that I'm having is boredom. And I don't like it because I could be having another experience, or I'm too familiar with this, or, um, and I guess what Joshu would, would say would be to just meet that experience as it is. It's, it's, it's boredom once we add that label, and if we do add the label, that's okay too. Whatever happens is, is, is okay, uh, and all included within our practice. So I wanted to end with one more story.
of Joshu. I read a lot about him last night. Um, and this is another koan from the Mumun Khan, koan number 19. And this, is, this contains a quote that we hear in it all of the time. Um, the title is Ordinary Mind is the Way. So this is another very short story. Joshu asked Nansen, what is the way? Ordinary mind is the way, Nansen replied. Shall I try to seek after it, Joshu asked. If you try for it, you will become separated, responded Nansen. How can I know the way unless I try for it, persisted Joshu. Nansen said, the way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing. Knowing is delusion, not knowing is confusion. When you have really reached the true way beyond doubt, you will find it as vast and boundless as outer space. How can it be talked about on the level of right or wrong? With those words, Joshu came to a sudden realization. So there's that sudden realization I was mentioning earlier. And even when I read that, my, one of my instinctual responses is hearing Joshu's sudden realization is, if only I could be so lucky as, you know, and so there's, there's always that tendency to, um, to, to treat this new guest differently than who we might consider an unwelcome or a familiar guest that I might have boredom with. So I think it's really, it's a really nice reminder that ordinary mind is the way. An ordinary mind includes all things, including boredom and bliss and everything. Um, and so when we can all sit together and practice and live in the present moment together for a brief amount of time, it, it, it really is a really beautiful thing. And that's why, again, um, it's nice to see everyone here and... That's all I have to say.